Funding for The Spark is provided by Capital Blue Cross, focused on creating a healthier future for our communities through innovations like Capital Blue Cross Connect Health and Wellness Centers, which provide in-person services and inspire healthy living. Learn more at CapitalBlueCross.com. The Spark is also supported by UPMC, offering a broad range of cardiac and vascular treatments in our community. More information is available at upmc.com slash centralpaheart. In the old 8th Ward and the 7th Ward of Harrisburg, thousands of primarily Black homes and hundreds of Black-owned businesses were demolished, wiping out connections to a community that thrived during the 19th and early 20th centuries. In tribute to the lost neighborhoods, the Harrisburg Harris Historic Association created an exhibit called Remembering Harrisburg's Vanished African-American Neighborhoods. On the spark, Caleb Jackson Jr., representative for the Historic Harrisburg Association and former resident of of one of the vanished Harrisburg Black neighborhoods, Jeb Stewart, Preservation Advisor for the Historic Harrisburg Association, and Cole Goodman, World Affairs Council of Harrisburg's Global Outreach Ambassador, will tell us why these, dem- de- these demolitions took place and the impact that it had on the community. Caleb and Jeb, thank you all so much for being with us today. And thank you, Kobe, as well. Yes. Thank you, Anaya. Great to be here. So, Caleb, tell me about the black neighborhoods that were demolished or fell down uh, in the 1900s and the early 20th century. I'm going to talk about the old Eighth Ward. After the new capital was built in Harrisburg in 1905, it was noticed that the the area around it was sitting in the old Eighth Ward, basically, which ran from uh, Walnut Street to North. And the capital needed extra buildings, so starting about 1910, they decided to tear down from Walnut Street to North and from the back of the capital to the railroad, which comprised the old 8th Ward, and then to use that area for new buildings, it's the North uh, Office Building, the South Office Building, where the Forum is, and... Uh, all that area. So that happened between 1910 and 1911. And that was that was the first major move. The uh, inhabitants of that area were given compensation for their houses, and most of them, especially the African Americans, moved north of uh, North Street up into probably into the upper parts of the Eighth Ward and the lower parts of the Seventh Ward. Jeb, you and Caleb created uh, the exhibit for the Historic Harrisburg Association. Tell us about that and how you gathered the information for it. Uh, <clears throat> thank you, Anaya. The exhibit is about 35 panels. Um, it's uh, located currently at the Historic Harrisburg Association at 1230 uh, North 3rd Street, dr- across from the Broad Street Market. The exhibit <clears throat> really captures uh, the extent that we could historic photography, uh, atlases, uh, maps, and so forth um, of buildings, landmarks, people who lived uh, in both the 8th and the 7th Ward to the extent that we could locate them. Uh, We used various uh, applications to try to show the then and now, what existed then and what is there currently by virtue of photography and Google Earth imagery in terms of 3D 
technology to show the buildings that are there now and what had existed before by virtue of the atlases. Jeb, you mentioned that photography is a big part of uh, this exhibit. Caleb, around the age of 13, you were a photographer. That's, that's correct. <laughs> is there any connection between your passion for photography and creating this exhibit? Yes. Some of the pictures that I have of the old 7th and 8th wards were used in this exhibit. And I recall that uh, I started with a, one of those old box cameras, from, probably from Kodak. But we'd take pictures of everything, the Easter Sunday parades, uh, just activities in the neighborhood. And not only did you capture the people, but you captured the buildings and the streets and whatnot. So some of those are in our exhibit. And in addition, uh, we also were able to locate imagery uh, both from the historic Harrisburg archives, the Dauphin County Historical Society archives, and also the state archives. So, Caleb, what were some of the businesses, facilities, churches that were demolished in these neighborhoods? Well, in the old Eighth Ward, the, all of the churches, the Wesley AME, Sign, Bethel, uh, Second Baptist, were all, all moved. This was been, this would have been in the expansion be, between 1910 and 1920, but the second expansion, which most people remember, happened after World War II, and that's when Foster Street was widened, uh, the Harvey Taylor Bridge was built, and the uh, buildings, the Capitol Buildings, Labor and Industry, was built, and that removed uh, places like Bud Marshall's Drugstore which was a pop, very popular place in Harrisburg, the old Booker T. Washington Hotel, which we have pictures of, the Jackson House, which uh, we have pictures of and unfortunately fell down <laughs> recently. Hmm. Yeah, tell me a little bit about the Jackson House. Uh, and I know there were some famous black musicians that stayed there. Yes, there was a mural on the side of the Jackson House that had uh, Ella Fitzgerald, uh, Dinah Washington, uh, Who's the other? Uh, Pearl Bailey and uh, Cab Calloway, uh, Armstrong. They stayed at the time. They could not stay at the hotels downtown. The Penn Harris and the Harrisburger Hotel would not admit blacks. So ja German Jackson, who was the head uh, porter at the Penn Harris Hotel, actually operated the Jackson House so he could have the people that were refused uh, admittance at the Penn Harris up to his private place. So that's how he knew all of, all his famous stars, and we were able to, uh, like I said, capture their portraits on the on ex exhibit. Yeah. Uh, Cole, could you talk to me a little bit about the future for the Jackson House and if, if there's uh, any plans for it to uh, be recreated? Well, as we were discussing uh, mm -hmm. earlier uh, before the show, unfortunately the Jackson House uh, uh, fell down. Uh, and it is my hope that uh, Harrisburg and Harrisburg leadership will really commit to bringing back the Jackson House because it, 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 it really was 
an incredible historical landmark, important to the city, important to the residents of the city, uh, and it needs to be something that uh, city residents can go to and remember the historical significance that it gave. So we're hoping that there's some movement on um, bringing back the Jackson House. And, and may I add to that, uh, the Jackson House is part of what is called Jackson Square, um, which is between um, Bow Street and Hearst Street, which is kind of the remnant of what was the neighborhood from the Seventh Ward. And uh, even though the Jackson House did collapse, we were able to f photograph, have good photographic documentation of the mural that had been on the side of it. And hopefully in the future, whatever gets developed there will memorialize the fact that that was the location of where this activity happened and, and the significance of the Jackson House site. Right. Now, I might add that the houses in Jackson Square were all listed in the famous Green Book. And I think, I think people know about the Green Book. They're all listed in the Green Book. So if you look at old issues of the Green Book in the 1950s and 60s, you'll see Jackson House, Jack's Barbershop, the Curtis Funeral Home listed. And is there any connection to uh, the Jackson House and the uh, Harrisburg's jazz history? Um, I know that you mentioned uh, some jazz uh, famous famous jazz musicians as well. Yes, the musicians that came, like I said, they couldn't stay at the hotels downtown. But they actually came to Harrisburg. They performed at the Old State Theater, and they also performed at the Madrid Palestra, which was a huge hall on Chestnut Street that brought all of the famous African-American bands through in the 1950s and 60s. Unfortunately, wow. that also uh, burned down. I'm not sure when, but that was lost in the late 50s. Mm. According to the USDA Food Environment Atlas, one out of every five black households is situated in a food desert with few grocery stores, restaurants, and farmer's markets. Were there food deserts in these neighborhoods as well, uh, or did these communities provide stores for all of their residents' basic needs? Basically, the communities provided uh, stores for basic needs. We had several markets. We had the Broad Street Market. There was the Calker Street Market, uh, the, the markets downtown. But a lot of the neighborhood stores and almost every corner provided the needs for the people in the community. So what kind of occupations did the residents have, and was there a family-oriented nature uh, within these neighborhoods? Well, there were people, a lot of the women worked in private families. A lot of the men were chauffeurs to uh, prominent people. They were mechanics. They worked at steel mill. They worked at the Capitol. So they, for the most part, after the Great Depression, most people in Harrisburg had some type of, of work. And I do want to ask you, Jeb, if you can expand upon why these neighborhoods uh, were demolished. Well, um, as Caleb noted, uh, the 8th Ward was demolished to expand the Capitol complex. Um, that was a given. Unfortunately, uh, the neighborhood was lost. As far as the lower end of the 7th Ward, uh, which happened much later in yes. the 50s and 60s, that was subject to the urban renewal activity, which was common at that time for mass clearance of neighborhoods were, that were considered to be dilapidated or questionable one way or the other for, for new development, um, which resulted in such buildings as the Jackson Lake Apartments, as an example, at the same, uh, which was located, is located in what was the lower end of the 7th Ward. 
the whole thinking of that period hopefully is being replaced today by neighborhood conservation and historic preservation. If we look at that time, uh, where did the people go? Well, many went into um, the Jackson Lake Apartments that replaced um, the uh, neighborhood that was demolished and also public housing that was evolving um, in the late 40s and 50s and on Cameron Street and other locations. If we look today, we don't see that kind of development. We see neighborhood Which development. Yes. And we see, for example, the Mulder Square neighborhood at Derry and Mulberry Streets on Allison Hill has new public housing, but it's very nicely integrated within the existing fabric of the community. Yep. And I think that, that we've learned a lesson um, from that period of time where there was mass clearance and neighborhoods were lost, communities were uprooted to something that's more humane now from the standpoint of community development objectives um, and uh, from the standpoint of integrating within existing neighborhoods new development and public housing for those that need it and require it. Hmm. Jeb, I do want to ask, was there any compensation to help people find new homes uh, after this took place? I am not as familiar with that as Caleb may be. In fact, Caleb, I think you mentioned that there was compensation for those homes that were demolished yes, in the Yes, there was ward. compensation. Unfortunately, a lot of the people did not own their homes, so actually the money that was compensated went to the owners. Mm. But they were, and the churches that were required to move, the businesses were compensated for their property. Wow. So, I, I mean, I can only imagine the devastation. What was the reaction at that time? Well, to lose, I think the first one, I think it was over 900 houses that were taken. Much understood, right. Jeb? Yeah, in so that you, range. You, mm -hmm. you could imagine a neighborhood that loses 900 houses and the people have to move. Their, their whole way of life changes because in a neighborhood you you have this store you you do you have a, a a lifestyle a neighborhood lifestyle and that's lost and that's one of the most important things so you have to go to another neighborhood and establish a new neighborhood lifestyle and that's hard for some people to do and it kept moving farther north For farther north <laughs> from the first uh, demolition of the uh, eighth ward to the second demolition of the eighth ward from uh, uh, North Street to Forrester Street, and then ongoing demolition just north of that in, in the Seventh Ward going up to Riley Street. So it was a constant move from, from uh, unfortunately, from south to north. And so much else was lost um, in the Eighth Ward, including just not homes, but also factories, churches, yes. schools. There was a Jewish community, of course, in the Eighth Ward also. They lost, a synagogue was lost, so, and hotels for that matter. So it was a very diverse it was uh, neighborhood. It was not an all-African-American neighborhood. It was very diverse. But overall, one of the, also, politically, the Eighth Ward the city council and school board were by wards rather than citywide. So the African-Americans in the 8th Ward had a lot of political count. They were able to elect council people back in the 1880s. School board, William Howard Day on the school board. So uh, the concept of the uh, wards in the city politically worked well for the African-Americans. Caleb, how old were you when this happened? And, you know, what kind of <laughs> transitions did this cause to uh, take place in your life? Well, actually, I was born in Harrisburg in 1930. And at that time, my father had a barber shop on Aberdeen Street. 
which is downtown. He moved to Six and uh, Bose around 1934. So I grew up in the neighborhood at Six and Bose. I went to Bose Elementary School. When the 50s, 1950s, when they widened Foster Street and started tearing down the houses, that's when it affected our neighborhood. The only thing about it, the one, the one block from Six and Bose that we called Jackson Square was the only block that wasn't demolished. Hmm. Everything else across the street was all taken down. One of the places that is uh, displayed in the exhibit is the Bethel uh, Trail. Uh, yes. Tell us about that and its impact on the community and where it is today. Well, originally Bethel started... Uh, the original Bethel Church started on, in the 1830s. It was uh, probably on Meadow Lane. It was, yeah, near the where the train station is Where the train is station now. is now. And then it moved to Short Street, um, which was in the 8th Ward, um, for a number of years. And then from there it moved to East State Street, yes. um, which was State Street that continued behind the Capitol all the way down to, which is now the State Street Bridge. And then when that was demolished, it moved to Briggs Street. Yes. <laughs> the church moved to Briggs Street Briggs between Street. North and, and Forster. And then when that was demolished. Demolished. For state expansion. <laughs> right. They moved, moved to Sixth and Her. Sixth and Her. Right. And They there. took over the old Ridge Avenue church. There was already a church there. They took over the old Ridge Avenue church. Wow. And unfortunately, that church uh, was not demolished because of expansion, but it burned down, it burned down. In, in the 1990s. And now the congregation is in, on North 5th Street. So the Bethel Church still exists, but the trail, and, and there are outdoor exhibits uh, at those locations that talk about the Bethel Church uh, that anyone can see today, uh, of course, traces uh, that migration <laughs> from south right. to north. The migration as the capital and the city expanded, it shows the migration by the way that church moved continuously, continuously northward. Right. According to the U.S. Small Business Administrative uh, Office of Advocacy, due to the COVID-19 pandemic, the decline in business activity among black owners has been nearly three times the decline among mm. other owners. Caleb, although the, demoli the, the demolitions uh, took place, um, you know, years ago, oh. what did this mean for the black economy within Pennsylvania? And you're talking about the current COVID. Or, well, or what took place those those years ago. You know, how, how has that, you know, made an effect on the black economy? Well, for instance, I know in my family, several of my relatives had small stores on both, both street, uh, small grocery stores, restaurants, and things like that. They, as the uh, expansion came, they, they, they lost their small business. Small business have to have a neighborhood activity. And as the neighborhood yeah. loot, as the neighborhood moves, the small businesses close. And your dad had a barber shop as well. Had a barber shop. Yeah. And a hotel also. Yeah, and a hotel. Yeah. yeah. Right. And what did that mean uh, for the community just to have that place? I know <laughs> what it's like to be in a barber shop or a hair salon, for sure. Well, barbershops, in fact, the barbershop and hair salons are probably, and, and undertakers are probably the three greatest uh, professions that African Americans have that's more or less private to themselves. And historically, they've always been involved in Harrisburg's African American history. Okay. Uh, may I may yes. I talk about the Commonwealth Monument? Yes. Um, yes. If I may, because yes. it's a good... Um, 
memorial to the 8th Ward, and it's located in the Capitol grounds on Walnut Street near 4th, completed last year, and it, um, there are four statues of four significant African Americans uh, in Harrisburg, T. Morris Chester, William Howard Day, Francis Ellen Harper, and Jacob Compton, and in the center of the, of the statuary is a pedestal, and on the top of the pedestal is a 3D model of the Eighth Ward yes. of what it looked like in the 1880s, uh, which is really significant and really cool. And then the, on the sides of the pedestal are the names of people who lived in the Eighth the Ward. Ward. So for those who are interested, definitely see that monument because it was done as a tribute to the legacy of the Eighth Ward. Were there other things that were done as a tribute as well? Well, Messiah, there's a book that there's 100 names on the pedestal, and Messiah College published a book that uh, some of the students did research into the 100 people. So we do have that for people to read. Cole, I want to ask you, as a, a person who is a part of the next generation within Harrisburg, why is this work important that Jeb and uh, Caleb has done? Oh, it's so done? important. You yeah. know, I coach soccer in the city, and after talking to Mr. Caleb and, and, and Jeb, I went to uh, the boys, some of our high school boys, and I started asking them, do you know what the Jackson House is? Mm-hmm. You know, do you know what the Eighth War was? Uh, and almost all of them said, I have no idea, but there was a want and a vigor to learn about it. Uh, so we will be bringing our boys. I, I, I want to say that this is a rallying cry that everyone needs to go and see this exhibit uh, because you can't know your future if you don't understand your past. Yeah. Correct. And in just 10 seconds, Jeb, how can people get more information about this exhibit? They can visit it at the Historic Harrisburg Resource Center. Uh, They can call it uh, 233-4646. Awesome. We've been speaking with Caleb Jackson, Jr., representative for the Historic Harrisburg Association and former resident of the vanished Harrisburg Black neighborhood. Jeb Stewart, preservation advisor for the Historic Harrisburg Association, and Cole Goodman, World Affairs Council of Harrisburg's Global Outreach Ambassador. 